All right, everyone. Hello. Welcome. Another episode of Heal Thyself. It's been a while. We took a little bit of a break, but we're back. And I'm really, really excited because we are back in action, recharged, ready to go, ready to flow. So much good information coming. You know, I, I took some time to really write out all of the topics that I want to talk about, all the products that I want to review. 2021 is going to be on fire. But in the meantime, we are also coming with those flames. And I'm so excited today because what we're going to be talking about is something very, very important to me and my growth and how it can align with all of the listeners, all of the viewers. And that's what it means to be a man, masculinity, right? And it, it's a spectrum, but really I want authenticity be to, authenticity to be the overriding theme for all of us. So we're going to go into that in the Knowledge Bomb segment. I have a very, very special guest, Stefano Sifandos, uh, out of Austin, Texas. And he's going to really go into depth about masculinity and femininity, relationship dynamics, some important stuff. If you're in a relationship or you're single, if you're married, it's going to be for you. This is so, so important for all of us to grow as people. So what a show we have coming. Without further ado, let's dive into this knowledge bomb. All right, Knowledge Bomb segment. This is a show for everyone, right? But I really want the men out there to listen. So ladies, if you have a loved one out there, someone who's a man, and you really want to share this with them, then please do, because this is going to be so, so important, right? If you have a man in your life that you care about, share it, right? If you're a man, listen up, you know? Um, I really want us to be our most conscious and authentic selves and that fruitful relationship to start blossoming and blooming. Whether you're eight years into a relationship, 20 years, 25 years, or you're not in a relationship, this is all for you, all right? So masculinity, what does it even mean? Say eight to 10 years ago, you asked me, hey, Dr. G or Christian, what does masculinity mean to you? And I'm over here thinking about Clint Eastwood, right? And those cowboy movies, right, from the, from the 60s and 70s, right? He's cool, he's calm, he's quiet, he's confident. You ain't gonna see much emotion out of him, right? Kind of stoic. For me, that's how I grew up thinking a man was, right? And especially culturally, me growing up in the Latin culture, there is a machismo to things, right, of what it means to be a man. But it permeates other cultures, not just Latin culture. So that was my definition. And as I grew up, I started bringing more consciousness and understanding that many of society's depiction of men are only half of what it is. And many times it's an unhealthy version of what it means to be a man. So what I can say with confidence is that society and media, for the most part, has been de depicting men bound by this cultural expectation that isn't even real, right? It creates a gap between what it truly means in your heart to be a man and what we see in culture as a man. And that's the way it's been defined. And it, it varies from culture to culture for sure. But authenticity does not. That levels through all different cultures, authenticity, because in our deepest selves, authenticity is who we are, regardless of cultural masculinity and what it means in each culture. So the depiction of an authentic man is few and far between. We don't see that. We see Clint Eastwood versions of men, right? We see hypermasculinity depicted. We're taught that hypermasculinity, at least in the US, that's how we gotta be a man. Competitive, aggressive, unemotional, right? We're rooted in logic, pure rational decision-making. Sometimes we even see arrogance, stoicism, or even worse, violence to show our power. And what we hear growing up, man up. Hey, 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 be a man, be a man. Hey, don't be a wimp. What are you doing? Relax, you know, like pull away. Don't show emotion. Be a man. And whatever other things you may have heard. But interestingly enough, I want to talk about something. I want to talk about uh, this really cool study back in, I believe it was 2011. And it was published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. And it looked to 122 different characteristics in over 13,000 individuals. And from these characteristics, right, which included empathy, sexuality, extroversion, inclination to science, right, what they saw was a consistent overlap in the attitudes and traits of men and women, especially in empathy, fear of success or mate selection, 
right? What we're learning now is that the characteristic personalities or traits that we see are not exclusive at all. And you may have known this, but not exclusive at all to men or women. What we see is that there's massive overlaps when in fact, it's really just a spectrum of how we present, right? And, and that's pretty powerful because it was believed years ago that the brain of a man and women are different. They're, not, they're pretty much the same. Amongst just some small little variations, right? They're pretty much the same. So what are we learning now is that the characteristics that we see in men and women are almost one and the same. But it's not categorical. Masculinity, like femininity, is a spectrum and they are not tied to biological sex, right? We tap into our masculinity. We tap into the femininity. As men and women, we can always oscillate in between. And it does. It comes up situation to situation. It varies. We can be in our feminine. We can be in our masculine. And for us, this is so liberating because we don't have to be stuck in a stereotype. And this is super liberating because we can present in our masculine or in our feminine. And we can understand, we can always tap into that. Both are our very nature and we can tap into our masculine. We can tap into our feminine. And if you feel your authenticity is blocked by this categorization, well then listen, listen to that. Listen to the impulse, right? Because if you want to show emotion, but that's blocked, well, that's something to really start digging into. Really, if that's resonating with you, this should tell you that there's deeper work to be done because your truth wants to surface, but your ideas, your stories, and your concepts of society and culture have completely blocked it. 2011 meta-analysis of 22 studies published in the Journal of Healthy Psychology, what did they find? They found that folks who cope with repression of emotions were found to have significant associations with two diseases, cancer and cardiovascular disease, especially hypertension, elevated blood pressure. In the same year, the University of Texas showed that when we bottle up emotions, it actually increases aggression. My guys, when you do not acknowledge your emotions, you're making them stronger. And we get good, real good at repressing emotions because we're taught that at a young age how to do it. So much so that we don't even sometimes feel them anymore. But the masculinity tells us to repress those emotions right? And that's causing tension in every one of our relationships, whether it's intimate business or the one with ourself. But the most important one is that relationship with ourself, right? When we address those wounds that we need to heal fully, right? That which is blocking our full capacity for love and joy, then we become authentic. And that's what drives us to numb or distract ourselves, the fact that we're not being authentic. And then we look for mediums for addiction. What I'm trying to say is, if you were taught at a young age that you're not supposed to feel emotion, you're not supposed to feel vulnerability, you're not supposed to show emotion even worse, and that became something that you became an expert in, maybe now, especially if this is resonating, is the time to listen. Because we know that not only is it going to affect our long-term health, but really even our short-term relationships. And we all can be in our masculine, we all can be in our feminine, right? And we'll talk a little bit deeper today with our guests in that, but... We live in a world of relativity. It's not absolute. There's always a reference point. There's always an opposite, right? Yin and yang, dark and light, positive and negative poles. We're made of both. And by the virtue of that, that's our experience. And we have to be, we have to get good at understanding that we have an opposite reference point and that, gi that gives us the freedom to be authentically us. So does the divine dance of masculine and feminine really manifest in you? Or are you truly just blocking the holism of who you are? Are you in that hyper-masculine, that unhealthy man? And are you not allowing in the femininity? Are you allowing in those healthy male traits? Yes, you can be assertive. You can be confident. You can be responsible. You could be protective. You can be logical. You can be purpose-driven. But also, I want every man to understand that you can be nurturing. You can be intuitive. You can be creative. You can be empathetic, rooted in feeling, right? You can be sensitive. We get to be emotional, right? We get to be in surrender. We get to be in flow. We get to be radiant and we get to be tender. These are things in my experience, which I have blocked that femininity. And I've lived in this hypermasculinity. And you know what? So many men that I see are living in that hypermasculinity. And we're not our whole selves. What I'm submitting to all of the people listening today is that we can absolutely be our whole selves. So gone are the days of the antiquated man, right? 
Clint Eastwood's depiction of a man that's dated, it's pathological, it's old, it's boring, right? We now have the opportunity to show up without the stories, without the concepts that we created through our parents, through our teachers, through society of what a man is. We get to deconstruct those false identities, right? We can build and actually say, men do cry. We are allowed to be vulnerable. We are allowed to be tender. We are allowed to be sensitive. These identities that we have convinced and confined ourselves to, right? They're blocking our authentic selves. But the new man, the conscious man is in touch with his authenticity. He shows up unblocked. He's flowing as his divine self. And women, this is a man you deserve. You deserve a man like this to show up in your life for both of you to grow in a partnership, a very fruitful, whole, conscious partnership. Now imagine also a partnership that's rooted in authenticity, that's rooted in vulnerability, in truth, in community, in love, in communication. You have to show up as your authentic selves together to have this, to have a true, true partnership. And men and women, we deserve both. It's already here, right? There's nowhere to go. So let the knowledge be that which does not serve you, right? Which are holding you back from expressing who you are. That's not you. That's a story or concept. It's oldest time, right? But now we have a decision to choose differently. And how liberating is it to know that we as men can be our authentic selves without fear or judgment, right? Imagine the child that can see their dad not afraid to express themselves. Imagine that generation of con conscious children, teenagers, and adults, and imagine how we can change the world just by changing who we are and authentically being us. Man, I am fired up. I love you all. I really hope men and women this resonated with you. And if it did, little bit. If you felt something in any of these words, look into growing, look into going deep into that shadow work, into that trauma, and understanding that your God-given right is authenticity, to be who you are at your deepest self without judgment, without fear. All right, without further ado, I really want to, really want to get into this conversation with our special guests because we are going to expand on this. This guy's an expert. He's been doing it for over 15 plus years. So let's get right to our conversation with Stefanos. Hey everyone, today's special guest, very special guy, Stefanos Sifandos. He is an amazing relationship coach and masculine and feminine expert. And for me, it was really important to get him on the show. At some point, and we finally got him on, very excited, because I heard him on a podcast about three years ago, and it blew my mind because it changed the way that I think about what it means to be a man. So welcome to the show, man. I, I want to thank you for being on that one podcast, Amanda Bucci's, because it's really powerful. You don't realize how many people you touch, man. I appreciate the comments, man. It's great to be here. So we understand you a little bit better. What, what got you into this realm of empowering men and women uh, and understanding what masculine and feminine is and understanding how to get into a really fruitful relationship, a conscious relationship? Ultimately, man, it was my own deficit, my own pain, my own suffering, my own unresolved trauma, <laughs> my own sense of disconnection to self. I, I wasn't really fully embodied. I was... Uh, reaping havoc in every area of my life. I was unfaithful. I was addicted, uh, pornography, prostitution, sex compulsion, just, you know, burn build mentality, my businesses, uh, inauthentic, lying, cheating, dishonest, just, just really not dealing with my old pain. Um, not having a very solid childhood being, and I'm not making excuses, but I denied a lot of this. And because I denied it, I couldn't deal with it. It kept me distant from really working through and resolving, equilibrating, healing that pain within myself. Grew up in a very violent family, abusive, emotional, physical abuse, um, very difficult with my father, um, absent father as well, never really home. And when he was, it was volatile, didn't know what to expect. And the confusing part of it was, man, that there was a lot of love there as well. There was a lot of love in my family too. And that was really confusing as a young kid. And I hid as a young kid, I hid a lot. And I, I moved in the shadows. And as, an, as a teenager and adult, I became very repressed. And that leaked out in anger and aggression and violence and, and drinking out a lot of alcohol and, and 
doing some really high risk taking things, adrenaline, being an adrenaline junkie in different ways, mixing with the quote unquote wrong people and really trying to define myself through false bravado and, and toughness, you know, mental, physical toughness. And that all came to a, to a turning point a number of years ago where I was in a relationship and, and she discovered that I was unfaithful. And the short story of that was that was a tremendous catalyst for me actually making some changes in my life because in those moments I was just flooded with shame and old memories that came to, the, came to my awareness um, that I hadn't dealt with and it was very, very overwhelming. And just seeing the pain that I had caused her and the remorse and the deep regret that I had it was just very overwhelming, man. And I, I knew in that moment I either continue the path that I'm on and I'm probably going to be more and more self-destructive with more and more self-sabotage, pursuing that short-term quick-fix gratification to make myself feel better that ultimately is empty and is in a void. Or I can really go deep here and make a dent in my life and you know follow the path that I know from a very young age, from a little boy. I know I've meant to be. I've known I'm meant to be on that path, and that is a path of service and a path of just being genuine and real with self and with people. You know, I remember as a kid when I was six years old, I wanted to be Secretary General of the United Nations because I had this idea. You know, like I wanted to save the world and and heal, help others, and heal others, and help others not feel the pain that I was. And that got lost along the way. You know, that got lost in ego and vanity and and a a myriad of other things and I just wanted to come back to just being me because um, I'd forgotten that and I'd lost that. Yeah, what a powerful, powerful story because how many men out there experience something so, so similar or now we can see that in other people, right? As we were there walking those tracks. But I understand when I was that which was not me. I wasn't in my authenticity. I wasn't in my true masculinity. I wasn't aligned with who I was. And the interesting thing is, and I don't know if you went, you had this idea, but when I was in it, I knew that it wasn't me, but I was still in it, which is incredible because it's sort of like your soul, your deeper purpose is coming up and showing you, hey, man, this, this might not be you. You're in it, but it might not be you. So um, what a powerful way to look back. So then how did you, how did you really start deciding to bring together was it just because of how your relationship went to bring together people to have a better fruitful soul conscious relationship well really it began with a couple of things it began with choosing to be in very deep solitude with myself and actually facing my shit and dealing with it and the second component to that which was you know equally as, as important is no man is an island no person is an island we're not isolated beings we're relational beings and we've evolved largely the way we've evolved socially and culturally is through that connectivity that we've shared and the intimacy that we've built and the trust that we've built in others that have been reflections for ourselves that have helped us see the darker parts of ourselves that we cannot see that we cannot access so people relationships illuminate what we cannot have access to by ourselves and so i sought help and support man I, psychologists counselors shamans spiritual teachers healers energy workers like i went deep man um, I studied even at a deeper level beyond just the intellect. I started embodying those teachings and practicing. I gave up my businesses. I went into massive debt. I spent a lot of money on help, but I spent a lot of time on my own and in my own space. I, I lost so much of my identity. Everything that I associated myself with, I broke down. I deconstructed. And I did that because I'd hit rock bottom multiple times and I really gave myself, I just surrendered, man. I said, I'm either going to commit suicide, which that thought came into me many times. I'm going to end up in a mental asylum. I'm going to get through this and one day be that person that I want to be and maybe inspire others to do the same and be able to do the same in their own process, in their own lineage of story. And I just said, I'm not attached to any outcome, but what I am attached to or what I know I need to do and be is to be in this is to feel this shit, is to feel this stuff and actually go in it and be with it and stop running from it. Stop distracting and numbing and looking for a quick fix to feel better that's only going to get plugged with another quick fix later because I'm not addressing the real shit. Yeah. This is a story of so many people we find distraction, right? Uh, it wasn't until, and I just mentioned to you before we got on air that I moved to Topanga. I was living in the mountains. It wasn't until I was in the mountains where I was, all of a sudden my closest friend was 30 minutes away. The distraction of being out, uh, inundated with friends, just distractions stopped in the surrender, the solitude. It was very, very difficult, you know, but 
coming out of it, I was able to, like you just said, and the most important word I think you said for me was deconstruct. I got to deconstruct this identity, just peel away that which is false. It was a false identity. It's not even me. And then I got to reconstruct who is this conscious man. And it seems like you did something very similar, but you really went through the ringer. Um, how, how important is then solitude? Is, is that something that really you preach to your clients and, and everyone you, you really touch on? Is, is, is that important? Because do we stop the mind? Do we stop all of the false thoughts and identifications? I don't know if we stop them, but I, I believe we begin to relate differently to them. And solitude is a tool and an access point to that. You know, I remember reading a story once and, you know, put, put away the, the, the adjectives and the, the verbs around this and, and just the way the story is told. But if we can just listen to, to the, the power of the actual message and the story that I read once and I was told once, um, both actually, was God was contemplating where to place the secrets of the cosmos. You know, this thing that carries so much value, right? And after intent deliberation, God says, ah, I'm going to place these secrets in stillness, silence and solitude because that is where humanity fears to go. That is a path that very few tread. But if some get there, it's a path worth exploring. It's a wisdom well earned. And I, I sat with that story and the power of that story and what it meant to me and we busy ourselves, particularly in the world we live in today, right? We busy ourselves, and this isn't a new thing. It's been happening for so long because we're afraid to be with who we are. We're afraid to deal with our demons. That's part of life. It's part of the reality of duality that we live in. We don't want to be uncomfortable. And if you look at society and if you look at technology, and I'm not demonizing technology or modern culture in any capacity, but we have this yearning to make our lives easier. That's, that's not where the laurels of men have been developed and created. One of the domains of the masculine is deep challenge. We not only define ourselves through deep challenge, but we grow through deep challenge. Now, some would say, and I would agree, that there has been extremity of that expression in our society, not only recently in, in modern times, but um, for thousands of years. And that doesn't make challenge bad. It just means that we're extreme with it. How do we temper that? How do we discover that within ourselves? Solitude and silence is a tool or a technology. It's a way to be with self, the wholeness of self. See, one of the reasons why we have carry addictions, many reasons for addictions, but why we feel uh, mentally ill or emotionally disparate, where we feel isolated and alone. Because isolation and being alone being lonely is very different to solitude. Solitude is very deliberate. Feeling isolated and lonely is vested in apathy and victimhood. It's vested in a low self-worth. It's scared to be in the world. It's scared to be rejected, abandoned, humiliated. So we hide and we develop coping strategies and patterns in our behaviors and our personalities that pull us back from being with people in a more authentic, vulnerable way. But one of the gifts that solitude gives us is insight. We get to learn about ourselves. We get to learn how we deal with difficulty. We get to access the whole of who we are. One of the reasons for mental health issues, emotional disparity, relationship dysfunction, 50 plus percent of marriages or long-term relationships end up in, in, in permanent, quote-unquote, permanent separation or divorce. Why is that? Because we're unable to tap into the whole of who we are. So we are fractured people coming together hoping the other person makes us whole. That's codependency. That's not interdependency. And so solitude gives us an opportunity to, I'm going to use this word, prove to ourselves that we're capable and worthy. And it's more of an intrinsic factor, but we learn more about who we are through adversity and challenge. Now, I'm not advocating that all you do is spend your life challenging yourself. You've got to celebrate the wind. You've got to be in passivity as well. You've got to be in relax and observation and witnessing. And there are times where it wouldn't hurt to challenge ourselves and learn and grow from it. Mm, so powerful because you made me think about the Buddha, right? In, in solitude was where he found his enlightenment. And it, it's, it's, it's interesting because so many of us really distract ourselves and it's one way or another, right? It could be with technology, it could be with partying, it could be with sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. But um, it's one thing to be alone with yourself, but it's one thing to truly be in solitude. And, and you mentioned that because we can be alone listening to music, right? Like distracting ourselves, right? Uh, even watching Netflix, but the solitude is where 
I, I, I can so relate to that because it's changed me as a person being in that solitude and actually letting in grief, letting in that difficulty that was like kind of repressed under the rug for so many years. And it, it, and it created a deconstruction. So then I, I'm like left with a, a new palette to paint, right? And it's amazing when you can paint the palette in exactly what you want to create. And then you're given these opportunities to validate that to yourself. So I, I love, I love, love, love that you just advocated so, so beautifully the importance of solitude. You mentioned one thing and it's codependency. And I think that a lot of us, this is the, for me, one of the biggest traps in relationships is that we, we look for another to fill this illusionary void, right? That, that we, we go, oh, they, they're, my, they're my better half. They, they make me feel whole. Is this one of the number one traps that you see when people get into relationships? Yeah, it's a big trap. Man. It's, this, it's this big trap. And that comes from low self-worth and low self-esteem, being told or shown that we're not good enough, that we aren't capable enough and able enough as children. And that idea and that ideal, that value set permeates us as adults. And we come into relationships thinking we're less than, and therefore we need the other person. This either forces us to be very needy, um, uh, highly dependable, um, or, or we, we depend so much on others. Um, we become desperate in our energy, or we develop a, a screen or an armoring around ourselves that then makes us, you know, hyper aggressive. It, it, it doesn't allow us to really get close to people because we feel incomplete and we're scared that people will then illuminate certain aspects of ourselves or certain aspects of our hearts and who we are. And that's too confronting for us. So we're, in, we're caught in this perpetual twilight zone of feeling that we need more because we're relational beings and we need to be understood and accepted and respected and appreciated and loved and heard and seen and all of that as we want to reciprocate that. But then we're, we're, again, caught in this twilight zone of that and between, is it too risky? And then when we do lean in, we're not really trying to be ourselves because we're scared of, is ourselves who we truly are, will that be rejected so we can taught ourselves? Now, that's not sustainable. And it's not sustainable because no one, doesn't, no one wants to wear masks continuously. It's, it's tiring. What happens, that blows up. You get frustrated, you build resentments towards yourself, towards others. You revert back to old coping strategies, whether it's being really aggressive in the relationship or pulling back and hiding, not being vulnerable, not being real, not showing yourself. What does that do for others? Well, then they don't trust you. So now you're, you're in this relationship where you don't trust them, they don't trust you, you're not seeing each other, and the unhealthy dynamic continues. This is a story of so many people, right? Because... Sometimes I'll, I'll get a call. Hey, hey, Christian, what do you think there's going on in relationship? How did this, you know, I'm not, a, I'm far from a relationship coach. I just support my friends, but it's always the same thing that I see is that they've lost their identity. They've, their illusionary void was filled. And then they built up resentment because like you said, the coping strategy came, they put on a mask, they show up differently in the relationship and they're not their authentic selves. And that's a major trap. So how do we become more conscious? What questions do we ask before we step into a relationship? Do we look at ourselves and truly feel that wholeness within ourselves before we go into a relationship? Because it's my goal that everyone comes into a fruitful relationship, right? And it works out and we're not 50% divorced. We get into a fruitful marriage. What are some things that we can do to really keep awareness within that before we jump in? The first thing to do is notice where your value is. Like, what are you bringing to the party? What are you bringing to life? What are you bringing to all relationships? Not just your relationship with your intimate partner, but your friendships, your co-workers, your community. And what value are you really bringing? Can you acknowledge that? The second thing is to be really clear about why you are entering relationship. Is it to fill a void? Is it to make you feel better about yourself? Is it because you feel empty and fractured within? And you need someone, you need someone to tell you how amazing you are, to show you how amazing you are, to do things for you. Sometimes we need to cultivate a deeper level of interdependence and independence. So getting clear on your why, asking why am I entering this relationship? What do I really want for it and what do I have to offer? Because if you can't acknowledge and revere what you have to offer, what's ultimately going to happen is you'll seek that outside of yourself and that will be a lot of pressure that you place on your partner. And they'll feel that. And that, and you know, from a point of attachment style, it may be this anxious, 
needy, insecure attachment style that comes through, and your partner happens to be avoidant, well, guess what? They're going to run. You're going to want more. You're going to be triggered and charged. They're going to be triggered and charged. And all you're doing is repeating the same patterns with a different face and a different name. Oh, my God. I, that, was the, that exact situation was something of my past where I remember. And it was we just became both exhausted, exhausted because, hey, you're not filling my cup. Hey, you're not filling my cup. And dude, what you just said to the T, it, it hit home so hard because there are the attachment styles were just like the, the, the perfect spots for us to trigger each other. And the most beautiful thing about the relationship is I noticed since that one is that I, I noticed once the breakup came, I go, wait a minute, we broke up the same way the one before that. And I broke up the same, the same. And then I said, oh my God, this is all about me having a mirror and not wanting to look at it and instead villainizing the other person. Right. And this is what we do so much. But um, but it, it's so powerful when you can look at yourself and ask yourself those questions. Why am I getting a relationship? You know, and, and, and I wish we can all ask that. Some of the work that you do is is so powerful when it comes to understanding masculine and feminine. And and uh, as us as men, you know, and it sounds like you grew up in, in a in a societal uh, push of what toxic masculinity means. I don't know if you like to use that word. And I know I did, but us as men, how, how is our idea of how we should present? Do you think that as a whole society has that very much so repressed? We can't be our authentic selves. It's, it's a very complex conversation that we're having around masculine and feminine dynamics. First and foremost, it's hu the human constructs or human dynamics, right? We, we, we separate, but we're not really separating because it's two wings of the same bird, two sides of the same coin. We speak to masculine and feminine because it creates contrast in our minds and in our understanding, and contrast helps us learn, right? Masculinity is not exclusive to men or males. Femininity is not exclusive to women or females. Masculine and feminine energetics reside within all of us. Have men grown up suppressed? Have we evolved culturally in a suppressed way? The answer is yes. Some people don't like that response because they go immediately to, well, what about the oppression of women? 100%. Because in men, in their extreme expression of masculinity, and you can call it toxic masculinity, but be mindful, if you're going to say toxic masculinity, that doesn't exist without toxic femininity. Right? So both exist. Toxic expressions, unsustainable, unhealthy, intense, extreme expressions exist within the human construct. We see it in war. We see it in how we've responded to global issues. It's been happening for thousands of years. With child sex trafficking, we see it in the atrocities that are happening in the world. There's, there's, I, you know, we could riff on that for a long time. Men have been oppressed because by oppressing the feminine, they're oppressing an aspect of themselves. By oppressing females, they're oppressing collectively an aspect of themselves. And so we are oppressed. And if we're oppressed, we're coming from a fractured, fragmented place trying to seek control and a sense of safety and power outside of ourselves. And the extreme masculine does that through oppression, subjugation, control, extreme direction, not allowing others to have voice or opinion. But what's happening is we're denying aspects of who we are. We're denying intimacy and connection. We're denying more collective empowerment. That's, that's not going to be sustainable long-term, and we're seeing that now in different ways. Do you believe that, and you say we're seeing that now in different ways, do you believe that this year is really pushing us to truly evolve as men and women into less, as you say, toxic, or as I said, toxic, and you were saying like just more, more ways that are more authentically us? Do you think that, that we're at a place right now in time where that's being brought to the surface? To answer the question directly, yes. And I think we've okay. been in that space for a long time. I know in my personal experience, I had to hit rock bottom multiple times as an individual to really shift my actions, behavior, way of being, the trauma, the way I related to my trauma. I had to shift that um, extensively and it took, um, it took a great deal to do that. Um, I believe where the state of the collective consciousness, collective human consciousness is, um, we're in that same space. We, we are learning through the hard way. 
it's not the only way to learn, but it's the way we're choosing to learn at the moment. I think that's part of the uh, immature space that we find ourselves in and the mature evolution we're moving into. Time will tell what this year will um, show and produce. We, we have many different, people have many different opinions on it. My opinion is that, and I'm very, very clear and frank about this, is that my perspective is that we've overreacted as a global society, that we've come from intense fear and reactivity, um, and we are suffering because of that in various ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, we see it. We see it so much. And uh, the way that the world, and you hear it from people, right? Like, I feel, you know what I feel? I feel like we've gotten these hints and opportunities for evolution. We don't, you know, when you don't listen, we put it under the rug, put it under the rug. And I think we've hit the point where, you know, now we're trying to put one more pile of dust under the rug and now it's just seeping out. Um, that's, that's just what I feel in the evolution of humanity. And I'm hoping that this time, you know, it's, it's sort of forcing its way at us. Like you said, there's, there's not, learning the hard way is not the only way, but it's sort of what's presented with us right now. And, um, and I, I really do hope that we as humanity can move that way. So as a man, and we're really working through trauma, how, what, what is a balance in, and I don't even know if this is, if this, there is a balance because it's a spectrum, but what is true balance with that masculinity and the femininity look like? Like, how are we showing up in the world different than what we see media's way of saying we should be a man or society's way we should be a man or even teachers or even parents what, what can we look at as men and say, this is actually a way that we can present as a conscious man in balance uh, with both sides of our masculine and feminine? Yeah, so firstly, I'm not, I'm not here to tell anyone how to be a man. I think part of, yeah, I think part of a man's personal journey is his own sovereignty. I can, I can present what healthy traits of masculinity look like and unhealthy traits of masculinity yes. look like. Yeah. Yes. You know, and if you, um, if you, uh, resonate with that, then you can you can go deeper and say, oh, I want to lean towards that. You know, so for example, making excuses is not healthy. Being controlling, oppressive, autocratic, subjugating, judgmental—these are unhealthy um, aspects of the masculine, so to speak. Right? Um, the man that is that is disregarding, the man that is that lies for his own sake, that uses sex as leverage. And people do this as well. It's not just men that do this. Don't let, me be, let me be very, very clear. The man right, that defines, right. his, you know, defines his freedom by how many things he has, well, he'll never be, he'll never be free. Right? The man that he de- de- defines his worth by his status, his wealth, right? I mean, the, the wounded in a masculine feels unstable and unrooted. You know, almost like a like a large tree ripped, ripped from the earth during a storm. You know, what was once tall and stable, and and structured in life now feels torn from its home. You know, like that's the, the wounded in a masculine has this constant need to search for a home, but does it in a way that is not through deep shadow work that is that is real that is transformative, but that is just short term quick fix um, gratification. A healthy man is different. A healthy man goes through traditional rites of passage where he embraces and engages challenge, where he's met by other men, where he's met by men that see him, brethren that he reveres and respects. A healthy man practices humility. He knows how to temper his rage and his aggression. He doesn't deny himself. He doesn't deny aspects of himself, but embraces them. And instead of projecting them outwards, he he deals with them in a healthy way, whether it be with other men in the, in the, in the um, confidence of other men or in the presence of other men or whether he deals with them in solitude. He does his inner work. He's responsible and takes ownership for his emotions, for his actions, for his, for his behaviors. He's not arrogant in his posturing. He knows his value. He knows his vision. He's purposeful. He's driven. He's confident. These are, you know, he's, he's contributive to his immediate community. It's not just about him. He's competent in his physical body. He carries mastery in what he applies himself to. You know, he he has a, a yearning to explore the unknown and the mystery with a sense of openness. I mean, this is these are these are healthy men. You know, healthy men deal with their trauma, deal with their pain. 
They don't blame and shame others for who they've been or what they've experienced. They take fucking responsibility and they're willing to go to the uncomfortable places. I mean, I can say that to you and you may say, you know what, Steph, your definition of a healthy man, or that's part of a definition of a healthy man for me, you know, it's pretty lame. And I'm going to say, okay, cool. That's cool. That's your, your choice. You figure out what a healthy man means to you. I'm not here to tell you. I can throw some suggestions out there. It's an area that I study deeply. I research deeply. And it's I'm, more importantly, outside of that, I'm deeply reflective with it in my own life. But I'm not necessarily right with, that, with what that means. I think there's two questions we have to ask as well. Is the question of what does it mean to be a good man and what does it mean to be good at being a man? Right, and I think the 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 latter is more vested in evolutionary biology, and it is it is vested in, you know, how has man evolved as a man over hundreds of millennia, if not millions of years, as humanoids? You know, what does that actually look like and felt like over the years? Because that contributes to part of our value, part of our utility, part of our worth. And if we feel that we are useful, this is part of the masculine construct, then. We'll, we, we will behave healthier. We won't do things to get attention in unhealthy ways, like take big risks, be criminals, hurt other people, be forceful, you know, be, be exert control over others. We'll, we'll, or, you know, or the opposite of that is hide from the world and be meek, which is very unattractive as well to ourselves and to others. So we don't move in those extremes when we feel we are being of use to ourselves and to those that we care for. And when we are grounded in our own sense of self-worth. A hundred percent. That's so powerful. You know, it's, I always tell guests that um, I know it's such a powerful message and it resonates with me so much when I have no question of follow-up other than just to say I, it resonates so deeply because understanding and you put it in such a, a simple way and I want all the listeners and viewers to, to hear it and, and say, if it resonates with me, then maybe we can listen and follow and go, you know what? There's more. Let me go deeper, right? Because maybe I might be on that part of the spectrum where I'm an unhealthy man because I've certainly been there. I've been there for a long time, but I'm absolutely focusing on what many of the attributes that you said is a healthy man because I think it, I think it just permeates. It, what you spoke was deep spiritual understanding that, yeah, you know what? We're here to do so much as men and we can. We have that ability and capacity. All we have to do is understand who we are, get into that deep shadow work. Like, you, like we were talking about before, embrace solitude, embrace surrender, right? Let, let that shit come up and really go through it and see what comes out the other side. And I'm so happy that you are able to do it and give back to the world the way that you are. It's so powerful, man. And I, I really appreciate that and look up to it. Oh, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. And you know, I know that, you know, for all the, the women that are listening to this and that uh, are looking for high quality men, they really do exist. And I want you to know that if, if you're, you know, dating unavailable men, you know, step into your power and your sovereignty and say, if they're emotionally or physically unavailable, if they're not showing up, if they're showing up in shame and blame, if they're addicted to, to vanity and ego, if they're, they're coming from deep ego and, and they're, they're unable to resolve their own trauma, then maybe it's telling you something about where that man is in his healing journey and also the choices you make around that really lend themselves to what you deserve as well and your own sense of self-worth. Mm -hmm. Very empowering for the women listening too. Yeah, because how many women go on dates and they go, I just can't find a man who's really in his power, right? In his alignment, in his, in his purpose. And op opening his heart. Right? That's part of being a healthy man. Like, it's part of being a, a solid man is being reliable, is being in integrity. He's saying, hey, I'm going to do this and then doing it. You know, part of part of that being that healthy man is carrying competence in his physio in his physiology, right? <clears throat> Not being highly competitive, but being competitive in a healthy way so that he can grow. There's more win-win situations that are unraveling. Like notice how a man acts and behaves in public. Notice how he speaks and communicates. You notice his body language. Is he open face toward you? Is he turned? I mean, all of this is really, really important. Notice is he breathing deep? Is he slow in his communication? Is he attentive when he's listening to you? Or is he only talking about himself? Like the, right. This is really important about where is a man at within his level of consciousness? This isn't bad or good, right? This is just about where is he at and where am I at? What are our values? And is there a match? Is there an energetic match here?
mm-hmm. because you can absolutely feel into that as a man or woman, even vice versa. You can, you can pay attention to a woman's body language. How is she showing up? Is she talking about only herself? And, and I've, I've become good at that. I can definitely feel into that because I know, I know who I am or at least what I want to show up with and what I want in a partner. So that's really powerful. The last part, and you mentioned something really important is a man with an open heart. So many people, women I hear so, so many, you know, he just, he just doesn't open up. He's just emotionally unavailable. And men, it, for me, that's something that I definitely went through is not being able to feel or wanting to show up. Maybe it was a protective mechanism. Why do you find that so many men are just not opening their hearts, not willing to authentically show up like that? Oh, a number of reasons. They haven't been shown to. They haven't been taught how to access their emotions. Culture tells us that it's not appropriate or applicable for men to express or emote. Um, unresolved trauma, un- unexpressed trauma, um, That that's a big one to us. Particularly, I mean, that's just a human thing, you know, that we that trauma gets locked into our bodies and into our nervous systems and... We're unable to break the cycle of that and we do anything and everything that we can to protect ourselves and generally that's isolating ourselves in some way, shape or form, you know, and we're just under this constant stress response. The amygdala is overloaded, the hippocampus is overloaded, the prefrontal cortex is overloaded, the, the cingulate's overloaded, which, you know, communicates between prefrontal cortex and the limbic system, which is our emotional regulatory areas of the brain. Like we just, you know, the, we're just so overwhelmed, but we're so good at m- controlling that but it leaks out. And so we become unavailable emotionally because we're scared to go there. We're scared to be rejected. We're scared to be humiliated. We're scared to be abandoned because we haven't dealt with those childhood wounds or we haven't dealt with our fathers not being there or our parents telling us that we're not enough or being bullied as kids or whatever it may be. We haven't had a healthy outlet to express. Right? We haven't had healthy rites of passage. See, females have a very distinct, clear rite of passage. They have this, this beautiful menstrual cycle that, number one, isn't, men, isn't celebrated in our, in our society and it needs to be because it's part of what gives and births life to, and to creation, to all of us, to consciousness, right, to some degree. Um, and not taking like a, a panentheistic approach or just life. Like, think about that. Now, a woman, a girl transforms from a girl to a woman with that very distinct cycle. Now, men don't have that. Males don't have that. Oh, yeah, we grow. We, we become hormonal as well. You know, you know we, our bodies grow. Our genitalia grows. Like we all grow in a pubic hair, all of that. Right. But women have that too. But what's really distinct is that menstrual cycle says you are a woman now at some level. We don't have that as men. So we need cultural rites of passage facilitated by elders and men that have been there. And there are elements, there are certain very specific elements to um, what, what creates and identifies a healthy rite of passage. But we lack that in our society as well. So, you know, we've got these, these low self-worth men that have wounding from their childhood. Um, they feel shame and unworthiness. And that, that projects consciously and unconsciously into our adult intimate relationships. Because all we do is wear masks to protect the wounded and scared parts of ourselves. And we just keep reacting to trauma. You know, we become emotionally upset frequently or aggressive or abrasive. We're anxious often. We don't want to, um, you know, we, we, we often leave a relationship too early. You know, the, uh, the wounded masculine leaves relationship too early. And the wounded feminine often stays too long. The, these aspects of ourselves, these personality traits or aspects of who we are, right? So, you know, we have difficulty in trusting others, which then causes a big barrier. That pe- People can't connect to that. People are scared to connect to that. So yeah. we're, we're in these lose-lose situations. And we feel that. And, you know, like you go on a date, a woman feels that. Even if you don't show up with that, if there's no example of you closing your heart or not showing up, they can feel it from the first date. They just know that this is someone who's not going to be emotionally available. It's the energy's there, and it's it's incredible. And we, where is our rite of passage? Different cultures, you know, have rites of passage. You know, tribal cultures, especially. What the heck do we do here in America? What do we celebrate? How do we celebrate when we become truly men, or what it even means? So I, I'm so happy that you mentioned that, man. What a great conversation. This is. For me, it's resonated. I know for a lot of listeners, it's it's resonating. And I know that you have something special coming up for the females out there, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about this program that's launching? 
Yeah, of course, man. I appreciate you mentioning it. It's it's something that's very dear to my wife and I, Christine. Christine Hassler's my wife, and you know she's been in this space, in the personal growth space, uh, psychology and education space for fifteen plus years, very similar to myself. And we developed a program because she went through this. She spent you know nine years single, really understanding self, understanding men and dating and relationships and all of that. Um, but we, we created this program to really serve women at a deeper level, women that are, are struggling to be in healthy relationship. And this is a three and a half month immersive program and you'll be supported by other women and, and Christine and myself. And there's live virtual training throughout the whole three and a half months. There's a very detailed in-depth curriculum for doing inner child work, healing, shadow work, really clearing up the clutter of the past so that you can create spaciousness in your body and in your life to be able to attract and create the relationship that you want. And part of that is dating dynamics, masculine and feminine polarity, but it's, a, it's shadow work as well. It's, it's also how to get really clear on your non-negotiables, but really get supported and, and just unpack some of that unconscious trauma or, or stuff that's holding you back from living a very full life to give you the confidence that you need and deserve as a high value woman. So. Um, you know, single ladies, you can definitely apply and you can apply, you can go to my website or Christine's, but Christine's is easy, you know, christinehassler.com um, slash be the queen. And we, we we're open for enrollment now. We just literally opened. Awesome. Awesome. And, and for you, what's your website? How do we find you? Uh, yeah, you can go to, I've got a few websites, but the best one to go to is growwithsteph.com and that's uh, G-R-O-W-W-I-T-H-S-T-E-F.com, growwithsteph.com. And the and the Instagram, the Instagram, you're always putting some really good stuff up there. I follow you, so we need to know though what's the address on there. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, my wife's Christine Hassler, and I'm Stephanos Safandos. Perfect, man. I very much so appreciate this conversation. It's much needed. The work you're doing is much needed to humanity. Uh, you're making massive shifts, whether or not you known it three years ago. Like I said. You never knew you, 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 I heard those words after in that relationship that I was talking about where we were triggering each other and it's changed my view of what it was to be a man. And that's when it started my journey. So you're doing awesome work, changing people's lives. I so appreciate this conversation. I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you so much, man. Thank you.